Well, simply by the setup, you guys can probably tell that we'll be doing something a little bit different this morning. Two weeks ago, if you were here, uh, Russ spoke about opposition. He spoke about Nehemiah showing up into Jerusalem, taking on this incredible challenge to rebuild the wall and all of the opposition that he faced. And, uh, and Russ used this word rubble. He showed up and, and Jerusalem was in rubble, essentially. And he drew the parallel between uh, where's the rubble in our lives? What does that look like? And the way that Nehemiah responded to that rubble was uh, in the fact that he was prayerful, that he uh, kind of put his hands to work so there was prayer and action. That he, he didn't just stand around and wait for somebody else to do it, but he actually put his hands to work. So kind of prayer and action go together. And then secondly, that he remembered God amidst all of the challenges that he faced, amidst the opposition that he faced. In this chapter that we're looking at today, ch uh, primarily chapter 6, it talks about a lot of the same stuff. Again, the opposition that Nehemiah faced. And so instead of going back through and kind of teaching those same principles, we thought let's actually hear from uh, some people here in our community of faith that have faced opposition. So if you're like me, you left two weeks ago and you thought, well, where is the opposition in my life? And maybe it was kind of hard to identify where we face opposition. But it's evident that we all face opposition at different times. Maybe there's a season that you kind of go into it, or, or maybe, um, maybe right now you're not in one of those seasons, but there are people that are sitting next to you that are. And I think it's critically important that we kind of lean into our own stories to hear about opposition so that we can recognize it. And so that's what we're doing this morning. So we're going to hear from uh, these wonderful folks about opposition that they've faced, that they've battled through, and, and the ways that God has shown up in the midst of it. So we're going to be asking some questions. Russ will speak a little bit. Um, and, and this morning, I know when I walk into a situation like this and I see five or six people sitting on a stage, I feel immediately like, whoa, this is really professional or something. It, like all new community stuff, we're casual here. So this is a casual environment, and this is more just kind of a question and answer time so we can um, learn and grow from these people's stories up here and then begin to identify where's God at work in our stories, where's God at work in the opposition that we face. So let me begin, and I'm going to actually begin with um, George and Elise, and I'm going to ask this um, kind of a, a broad question. Give us a little bit um, uh, of insight, a look into your world and the opposition that you've faced in the last couple years. Okay. Uh, let me start with kind of describing uh, how we got to all right. Um, two years ago, uh, Elise and I went to Indonesia uh, to do kind of medical missions, community development type stuff, and it was a really fantastic experience. We've tried to do something like that every two or three years. Um, prior to that, we had become licensed foster parents. Not really sure about how we felt about it when we were going through the whole uh, kind of licensing process and thinking about what we wanted to do. Uh, and how many children we might want to take into our home. And the last day um, coming back from Indonesia, Lisa had already flown home. I was driving a car home from San Diego. I'm about an hour out at Ritzville. And I get this phone call. And she says, Department of Children and Family Services called and said that they've got a little three-month-old baby, but they need to know in an hour whether <laughs> we can take her in our house. <laughs> It's like an hour. You know, usually they give you a day or a couple days. And it's like, well, they're serving a warrant on the house, and the baby needs someplace to be today. So we talked about it on the phone as I'm driving home, and I'm like, okay, um, 
know, this is what we kind of signed up for. So let's go ahead and take her into our home. This was the beginning of a long, long struggle. Um, now you have to understand that this child, there were no parental rights to deal with. There was no termination or, or anything like that. The child basically, after a couple of months uh, of being with us, it's, it's a very complicated situation, but she was legally free. So there were no parents to deal with. There was none of that kind of issue to go up against. Uh, what the issue was was that her mom is Native American, and that meant that we were going to be up against a large bureaucratic system. And we were told um, by even people in this church that work in the department, you know, you're, this is near impossible. Um, you're going up against a state system, you're going up, up against a federal system, you're going up against a large native community that has particular bent on, on how they want to see things go, and don't get too attached. Hmm. Um, and that started our, you know, we, we decided that day, I mean, to, when we were told that, like three days later we were told that, to love her as much as we can and that we just had to follow however God wanted this to go. Was the plan always um, kind of the foster to adopt plan? Or yeah, we, at that's, what that's point in the we process went into, did we you went know? into it as foster to adopt. Okay. Um, but they don't make any distinction between okay. regular foster parents and them. They just try to place a child in your home that is a high chance of, of being legally free and not having as much of a I guess, legal issue to, you know, stay with you long-term. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so the following two years has uh, turned out to be the most difficult two years of our lives. <laughs> and <clears throat> to put that in perspective, um, I've been through medical school, and um, my father died the first year I got out of medical school. So my intern year, when I was on call all the time and never home and sleeping very little, my father was dying of pancreatic cancer. So to say that these were the most difficult two years of my life, I'm not exaggerating. And it got harder. I kept thinking it was going to get easier. And it just got harder and harder and harder. About a year ago, it became extremely difficult. Our caseworker changed, and, she, and um, Things just got worse. And then six months ago, it got even harder. And we thought it was going to get easier. And we went through three episodes in the past six months where we thought it was going to be OK. It's like, this is it. It's going to be great. It's fine. And then, no, it's worse. <laughs> no, this isn't going to happen. No, they're going to come. They're going to take her out of our home. And I mean, we love her. She was, you know, by now, six months ago, she was um, calling us mom and dad. She was talking to Darwin and Becky and um, other people in the church and friends of ours and knows people by name and our dogs and she is our daughter. And it got, we thought it was gonna get better three months ago and then it got worse. And then about a month ago, um, things were looking really, really difficult and um, we were just getting through every moment. And um, then last uh, June 1st, uh, June 2nd, 
22nd, two hours before it would happen, we were told, come to court, we're gonna get the adoption paper signed. And we called everybody and said, hey, um, I know this is really short notice, but can you come to court? Because it's gonna happen. And our friends, I think, were as traumatized as we were. And they were saying, are you sure? <laughs> I, I mean, we'll come, but are you sure? Because really, we've had a few disappointments. Um, and yesterday, we had a party, a really big party. Okay, I'll cut you, cut you guys off there. We'll, we'll finish that. Ahmad, why don't you um, kind of answer that same question. Tell us a little bit about your life, the opposition that you faced uh, in the last couple years. My name is Imad, I think so. Everyone uh, you know a little about from my story, so. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know where I start, actually. I come to United States, like, February 2007. And uh, the first time I come to United States, I, I have everything. I have nice family. I have house, I have job, everything. And uh, like after nine months ago, after nine months, I lose everything in one day. I lose my family, I lose my, ch my child, I lose my money, I lose everything. I be homeless. So I've been in the jail. And I don't know why I am in the jail, like, because I don't speak English. So, uh, I've been in the jail, like, uh, three days. I want to ask the guy, the sheriff, hey, why I am here? So, he say, uh, uh, he told me, but I doesn't understand. So, I told him, hey, I need someone uh, speak my language, like, speak. Turkey or Arabic or French, any anything. Just but English, I don't speak English. So <laughs> you say what language I see? If can like Turkish or Farsi or French or Arabic, just so you say we'll see. So anyways, after that, uh, I've been in the jail and he doesn't do it. Like he does like take uh, translate for me. After three day at Monday, I have to like go to court. Uh, you know, the jail, like, it is very weird. And he put some metal and my foot, and I said, what's going on? Actually, in my country, I, I have master's degree at the law family. So this is so weird. So anyways, I go to the uh, court the first time. They talk. I have no friend. OK, what's going on? So I don't know. I understand like I have a, a crime or something. After that, they, they continue the uh, court because the court, you want to take the translate for me. So anyways, uh, like after, uh, it is long story. After like one week, I take off to the, uh, to the jail and they charge me like $20,000, like 10% for $20,000. So I have some friend, I told him, hey, I have the money. 
on the in the bank. Just uh, you help me. I go to take the money. So, and I pay for bill. So I go to the bank and I, I want to take the money. Like I see, she told me, "Hey, your account is closed." I see what? My account is closed. I say yes. You have no money in your account. I say awesome. <laughs> After that, like I have to go to my apartment. My friend, he, uh, he understands. Actually, he speaks English better. He said, Imad, you cannot go to your apartment because, uh, like, you have, uh, uh, like, restraining order. Like, you don't have to go to your apartment. It's cool. I see where I go then. Like, I have no clothes, no. My friend, he said, hey, Imad, I cannot tell you come to my apartment because I have a big family. So I said, it's okay. And, like, they have a lot of the snow. And I don't see the snow, like, almost just uh, maybe on TV. <laughs> so I see good. So anyways, uh, I have a car, and I sold my car, and I pay the bill. So it is the beginning of my story. But after that, I've been, like, alone, alone, alone. And I, do, I don't know what I do. Uh, so. I have no friend. I have nobody, nobody. And I doesn't speak English. So where I go? Where, what I do, I don't. I go to the courthouse, and I have a court. Just I, I sit like this. I don't know what they say. So I start to pray to the God a lot. And uh, I start to go to, uh, like, in the courthouse or somewhere I say hey, I need to back to my country. I don't need to stay here because I don't know what's going on. Where's my child? Where is my family? So after that I understand what's going on. So after I understand I told myself no I need to stay here. I need to fight for my son. I don't care about my wife or my money they gone or anyways. But every day be bad, like every day, new day, it is be so bad, like I lose something, so. Like one day, I remember, like I pray a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And you know, I am Muslim. So I pray for Jesus, I pray for everyone, just I need like something to, I catch my hands, so at night, so. After that, I see, okay, I don't believe anyone. No God, no Muhammad, no Jesus. I don't believe anything. Just right now, I need to fix it, my problem, or I come back to my country. So after I, after I told this word at night, in my, like by myself, I, someone he knocked the door for me, like at 7 o'clock. And I am awake. I doesn't sleep, never, almost. One month. If if I told you I sleep, maybe I sleep like one hour, but I've, my mind just so. Anyway, someone knocked my door. I see the sheriff stop at the door. I say, hey, do you you, you imad? I say yes. So what's going on? He say, you come with me. It is like Friday. 
and uh, he tried to tell me what's uh, what's happened, but I don't like I doesn't understand very good, and he take me to the jail, and I stay Friday, Saturday, Sunday. At Monday, he say, "Hey, I am sorry. They they have a problem with the computer or with the company with the bill." They, I say, "Oh my gosh!" I, you know, exactly, exactly like after I told uh, before I told, I don't believe anyone. This happened, so I thinking about myself. But after I start to, I say, "Okay, Imad, you have to believe the God because I don't have any way. Just I have the God." After that, the God like uh, helped me a lot, a lot, a lot, and I'm thank you for him. He sent it for me, a Brent. I think so. Everybody, you know, Brent. And a Brent, if he come to my life, like they have a lot of the thing like change. A lot of the thing in my life changed, like. I don't know. Uh, Imad, let me actually stop you there, because yes. I think what you're just about to talk about is kind of that second question. So take a break right there, and we'll come back um, to your guys' story. So in the midst of this crazy um, adoption process, two years long, you guys um, are kind of at the end, and uh, June 1st comes, and there's this great celebration. So as you guys are now kind of moving away from that, You've celebrated. Um, talk to us a little bit about what did God do in your world? How was God's glory revealed? How did he show up uh, all along the way in, in your guys' situation? Well, uh, you could just make my nickname Thomas. <laughs> um, six months ago, we went to Canada, and we're the, the Maya's grandfather's tribe had gone ahead and said, we'd like to pursue an open adoption with you. We went, kind of not knowing what to expect, and we didn't even get words out of our mouth. And they're like, we want to do an adoption with you. We've decided this. We don't adopt out our kids. But you, we, we want to do it with you folks. A week later, the social worker here in Spokane went ahead and undid that. Then two months later, three months later, the commissioner that was hearing the case basically found in our favor. Then the state redoubled its efforts. <laughs> um, and then after that, uh, we were able to adopt Maya. To me, that was like those three miracles in my life in less than six months. Um, and all during that time, I'm finding out that all kinds of people are praying for us. I mean, not just people that go to our small group, not just people we see here on Sunday morning. I mean, I have people calling me, you know, a drywall plaster guy that worked on our house six years ago calls me and says, you know, I've been thinking about you guys, and for some reason I'm having all my friends pray for you guys. Wow. <laughs> um, it made me have a, a bigger sense of how big God's community is around us, even the people that aren't in our lives every single day. Again, what George said, it, it was a cousin I've never met on the East Coast who I met through some other thing, and uh, you know, by email. <laughs> and she says her church is praying for Maya, our daughter. 
for us. Um, a friend who emails and says, I never pray. I'm praying for you guys. Another friend who says, I don't believe in God, but I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for Maya. And it, it was this feeling of, you know, we've done mission trips. Um, we've done all kinds of different things. But knowing that other people are praying and knowing that God is listening to those people and knowing that it's not just us. And there are times when I couldn't probably even have gotten a word of prayer out besides just help. Help, 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 help. And now the word is, words are, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and I know that some mornings it was just getting up and being happy with Maya, not letting her see us cry, talking to her, feeding her, taking care of her, and getting through those moments. I'd cried so much I couldn't even cry when she was adopted, no matter how happy I was. And knowing now just how many different people were praying and how much God is there, even when I can't say a thing. Ahmad, similar, um, again, this kind of same question is what, um, so you're kind of this point where Brent now shows up and um, how have you seen God now show his glory in the midst of this kind of life that is seemingly falling apart around you and you're isolated and lonely. Um, how, how did God show up in the midst of that? You know, Kevin, uh, the God, he helped me a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, what I said, like, it is so little from him. I don't see my son like one year and uh, I love my son a lot and you know the love in my life is so important so after that uh, like I lose my dad my dad like he's died like three or four months ago and he's not my dad he's my friend he's my teacher and I love him a lot so I go to the sheriff of Spokane, and I go to the Mary Spokane. I, in the last Christmas, I say, hey, I don't know what's going on with me, but I have to see my son. If I doesn't see my son, I I'd be like animal, you know? So, I, actually, the sheriff, he doesn't help me, but Mary, Spok Mary Spokane, she's helped me, and uh, she say, you have, like, order court, you have this, you have visiting with your son. But the problem, I don't know, I doesn't understand maybe, or I doesn't have the money I pay for visiting. So anyways, after that, like Brent, he show up in my life. And the first time I am remember, I cry a lot, a lot. I am remember me and Ras and Brent, 
he take me like upstairs and uh, this is the first time I met Ras. So he said, just let's go to pray. I, I am pretty sure Ras, he doesn't know about my story, but just like he, he hold my hand so hard. So, and he pray for me and just, I cry, I cry, I cry. Just he, he asked the God, hey, like give Imad his son and a good life. Give Imad his son and good life. So, This is uh, the first thing. He helped me about the people. Like, I am alone. I have nobody. I talk with myself. I thought, oh, I am crazy or I am a bad. So, yeah, like just, just myself. I have no friend. But what he did for me, he fixed it in my life. He take for me friend. Like, for example, one day I come to the church and the print he's gone because he has a class, I think so, at, in California. And tomorrow, like, like the same this day, uh, I have a court, and I am so scared about this court. So what I did, I come to the Ras. So Ras, he said, hey, Imad, how are you? I say, hey. And I am so nervous and so scared. I told him, hey, Ras, can I talk with you? He said, sure. And he take me to the outside. You know, after that, like, before that, I think I am bad with, with myself, because all this happened, what's going on with me? So Rasi asked me, say, hey, Imad, why are you sad? I said, tomorrow I have a court, and I'm so scared about that. And you can't like, pray for me? He said, sure. After he prayed for me, he said, hey, Imad, we love you. You know, this, this thing, like, he changed a lot of things in my side, because, you know, I, th I think I am bad, or I think nobody like me, or nobody love me. I lose everything. Why? But after that, Rasi told me this, like, say, we love you. Oh, my gosh. Like, I feel so strong. And at Monday, I go to the courthouse. I take my suit. Like, I am a lawyer, not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel so strong. And I talk with the judge. Like, uh, like I think the guy, he give me, like, very good English. And the judge, he... You know, every time I talk with the judge, he say, you don't have to talk. If I ask you, you have to talk. But if I doesn't ask you, you, you doesn't have to talk. Or I take you to the jail. I say, okay. So the judge, like, I talk, she asked me about something, but I told her, hey, I need to talk if you give me a time. She, the judge, like, he gave me almost like 15 or 20 minutes. Just he listened to me. And I, I talk everything. And uh, one, one, uh, the people that sit in the courthouse, I think he, he's like a lawyer. And uh, the judge, he say, hey, this guy, he take care of your case. And continues this. Like the guy, it is little thing he did. Like I told you about what he did for me. He gave me the people who love me and I love them. And he gave me my son. It is so important for me, and uh, almost, almost I am one in my case right now. Thank you, Zia. So, I don't know, Kevin, what I told you, it is so little for the God. He give me everything right now, almost. It is not important if I told you he give me a job, or actually I searching for a job, but it's important <laughs> for me. 
important for me because you know I have a group and uh, I think so someone in the group she asked me about hey I say I I work and my friend she she does uh, he does uh, doesn't believe the God so I want to ask you a question I say go ahead you say Imad if your friend he told you you believe the God why the God he doesn't help you to the find the job it's a good question, but you know, the God like maybe he, he, you have to wait for the God. He, like you don't need. Okay, my God, I need a job tomorrow. I give you a job. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, the first time, I think. I don't think someone it is a clear, or it, he is a perfect. Just the God, he is a perfect. You know. After you ask the God, you have to clear yourself. And you, you have to be honest with him. And you have to be not, okay, God, give me a job. He give me a job. After that, I forget him. Yeah. They have some, me, before, like, just like this, you know. My daddy told me something, and uh, he teach me about that. And I say, okay, uh, that if the God, he do it for me, this thing, I pray every day. <laughs> he did for me. And I passed in the university or in the class, but I doesn't pray. Yeah. Me, I make deal with the God and Jesus after a print he show up in my life. Hmm. It is this, this deal between them, it is mine. Like, a print he show up, Ross, he show up, all the friends, they show up, but my son, he doesn't show up in my life. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have a lot of things, but, like, Let's, uh, let's hang tight here, and we're going to hear a little bit more from these folks. But Russ is going to come up and uh, share a little bit of the scripture with us. One real quick thought. Um, as we've been going through Nehemiah, one of the things that's so clear in chapter 6, which is kind of the chapter we're going through this morning in a, a different way, is that both of these stories that you're hearing are really a part of a real big, big story. You know, all of us have stories, right? But they're all part of this grand narrative. And the center of that narrative is not my story. It's not your story. It's not either of these stories. It's really all about God. It's really all about his glory. It's really all about the way that he reveals himself. In fact, all throughout the scriptures, he points it out again and again and again to us. I mean, he says to Abraham at the very beginning, hey, I'm going to make the people of Israel a nation. Why? Because I'm going to bless you so that you bless others so that I get fame. Then he says, I'm going to pull you out of Egypt. Why? He says this, because I'm going to reveal myself to the world through Pharaoh, and then everyone will know that I am the Lord. You go a little bit further. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they say, you know what? It doesn't matter if we live or if we die. We're going to follow God. We're going to believe in God. 
And what happens is they get thrown in. You know the story. Nebuchadnezzar, right at the very end of it, says, all right, I now know that there is a God, and anyone who does not worship the true God, anyone who makes fun of the true God, will be killed because no other God saves this way, is what he says. Then you, you see it all throughout the Bible. In Ezekiel 36, you see a picture of it again when God comes to the people of Israel and says, even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of this difficulty, I love you and I will restore you, not for your sake, but actually for mine, so that people will know that I'm a good and gracious God. You see it in the life of the disciples. And they're walking, and, and the story is told of Peter. And they said, man, Peter's saying amazing things. And they took notice, not that Peter was great, but that Peter did something amazing. They took notice that these ordinary men had been with Jesus. All throughout, you see these pictures of the reality that these stories are part of a much greater story. And in Nehemiah 6, if you have your Bible, verse 16 is kind of the key, key verse here. It says in verse 15, so the wall was finished, and it was finished in 52 days. I mean, we've been looking at this story going, this is amazing. They've been putting together an incredible effort by the people. And we get to this place in verse 15 where it says the wall was finished in 52 days. And the next verse said this. And when all the enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So they, they, they see the wall finished, and the first thing that happened was everyone around took notice. So when these stories are being written, and completed as part of this grand story. Anytime that God demonstrates amazing grace in each of our lives, it always brings extravagant glory to Him. So amazing grace through this miraculous adoption brings God extravagant glory. Amazing grace is Imad's life kind of begins to come apart and God slowly puts it all back together. And it's these stories of grace that bring extravagant glory. And so the first idea is that when, when we hear of these kind of stories, it reminds us of His majesty. And the second kind of idea out of verse 16 is this, that when we hear these kinds of stories, it reaffirms the truth that God is the one with us in the midst of everything. So whatever rubble you're facing, whatever difficulty has kind of surrounded you, whatever position you find yourself in where you feel like it is impossible, the odds are too great. It's into these stories that God's grand story comes. And he says, I'm going to demonstrate grace. And when that happens, I'll get the glory. So what we want to do is kind of wrap up these stories and hear a little bit more of how he's receiving glory through these stories. So we'll, uh, we'll end with two um, questions. They'll be just a little bit shorter, and we'll actual, actually start with you, Ahmad. So um, how has, and you've already identified this at some level, but, but if there's stuff to add on, that would be great. We'd love to hear it. How has the community of faith, or people in this church, Brent, whoever, Russ, 
How have these people helped you through this time? The community people, like, maybe he doesn't help me, like, He helped me with talk, he have helped me with everything, with everything, like, you know, like Brent, he's like uh, one from my family. He stay with me every day. He talk with me every day. He don't keep, keep me alone. Russ, uh, he do it for me a lot, like, just if he pray for me, like if I see him, he say, hey, Imad, I will, I was a prime for you. You know this thing. More, uh, it is important a lot, like for something to help, or you know. Brent, he start to like to go to, to the court, and he hold all my case, and he give him to the plus. And uh, they start to fix it, uh, like my life. The first time he put, he looking for me for lawyer, because I, I I don't have a lawyer, so he find it for me like awesome lawyer, very very awesome. Like, you know, he start to talk blah 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 with me, and he start to go to the my case. After that, my ex-wife say uh, to the judge, okay, I am al alive for a lot of things. So he's very, really, very good. And the Brent, you believe sometimes I doesn't have the money to eat food. The Brent, like, he feel that. He said, Ima, let's go to eat lunch. I said, no, I am okay. He said, please, let's go with me, you know? He, like, he feel everything, like, if I thinking about. Or Amy. Amy, she is so quiet. But I feel she's a pride for me inside her, you know. After that, Brent, he said, Imad, I don't need to keep you alone. I, I need to do something. He said, okay. Like, he take me to the uh, Patrick house. And I know Patrick and Alisa and uh, a lot of the friends, you know. If I talk with them, like, I feel at, I am at my house or... I am between my family, and uh, we care about me a lot. Like, I am remember, uh, like two weeks ago, I do something. Uh, I told Brent, uh, he said, Ima, do you hurt me about that? You know? I say, no, Brent, never, never, I, doesn't, I don't hurt you. He say, no, if you do like this, you hurt me. So who is awesome then? Like, he, uh, he say, Imad, me, I don't care, but I care about you. You, you close, like, just like this. Please, you don't do anything, like, wrong. Yeah. I, and I don't need from you anything. Just the problem, I care about you. And I, I don't care what the people say, but I love you. Yeah. So, okay, I, I say, okay, I promise you. So, and 
like you know Kevin the people I don't know them he started to look for me for a job he started to look for me in my case he started to talk with me you know oh last, uh, last time I am in the bus station I went into bus and just someone he come uh, for me she is girl say hey I don't know I forget her name she said I am uh, do you go to new community? I told her yes. She said, yeah, me, I know you and I hear about your story and I like your story. And she started to talk with me just, you know, and they do for me, they does, doesn't keep me alone. Yeah. It is so important for me. Yeah. If I stay alone, this one go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am honest, yeah. you know, yeah. like I be crazy. Right now, I am between, uh, I feel I am between my family. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's great, just the way that um, Global Neighborhood has kind of come into your life in this church as well. And we learned that Brent is the guy to take out, or have you take out for lunch. So that's a, that's a good one to know. Let's, um, let's follow up with you guys. How, how have you seen this community of faith? Um, you identified the, the sheer amount of people that have been praying for you even beyond here, but, um, but kind of specifically, how has the community of faith carried you through, supported you through the last couple of years? Well, before we moved to Spokane seven years ago, we'd moved like 13 times in 15 years. Um, and it was always chasing school, chasing residency, a job, something. Um, after we lived here for about three years, it felt weird. <laughs> Because, <laughs> oh, it just, we, we, we felt like we had to start packing up again. <laughs> you know, it's like we'd always been living out of boxes. Um, and our community, especially our small group, has just been really caring and, and become a part of our life. But when all this kind of came to, into being, trying to adopt Maya, when Maya came into our life, um, I felt like we could finally develop real relationships with people. Um, everywhere else, it was always very kind of guarded because it's like, hey, we'll be gone in a year, <laughs> just like last year. Um, whereas now, I, I, I feel like I'm part of several families in our group. And like Amon says, that just that feeling of belonging uh, to people who all believe in, in God and all who count you as part of their family, part of their small community. Um, it makes me feel like I'm... Well, this says, I love my hiding. <laughs> Shirt says, I love you. Well, Maya's got another shirt. She's got a shirt that says, I am my hiding. <laughs> makes me feel like what I have to do is I have to wear a shirt that says, I am God's child. Um, George is right. We've moved a lot. <laughs> and uh, I 
think one of the things I've really realized is just how much, like Russ was talking about, that this is all about God's glory. There's things that have happened, things that we've done, places we've been, experiences we've had, all these little bits here and there, and that wouldn't make sense in a larger picture unless you looked at it from God's perspective. When we came to Spokane, I was here first, and Bob Riggs knocked on the door of the house where I was staying before we were moving into our house and said, hey, I hear there's a new family practice stock in town. I'm looking up and I'm going, huh, who are you? Turns out that we're in that small group and we come to this church and I work in the same place he does and then George ended up with a job with an architect designing Christ Clinic and all these little things come together and all these people were praying for Maya and praying for us and there were nights when Chris came over or when Carissa came over when we almost couldn't speak and they just they hung out with us they just were with us you know God with us and God gets the glory for what's happened for Maya and for just the fact that we're sitting here. Come on, take, um, take maybe one minute as we kind of wrap up here and share with, with me, with us, what is your hope for the future? My hope it is uh, I want to I have nice relationship with my son. Uh, I I want like I hope uh, uh, done uh, like go to the college or and uh, I hope uh, all my I don't lose all my friends. I stay with all my friends. So yes. It is my hope. Just I, it is important for me. I have a relationship with my son, yeah. and I stay with him a lot. Yeah. And uh, I need to teach him a lot of things I know. And uh, another thing, I need to stay with the brand or Ross, with all people, with all my life. Yeah. So, great. yep. That's great. <laughs> um, and similar question for you guys. What's, um, now that you've weathered the storm and you're on the other side, what is your hope for your daughter, for your lives? People who've been out on, like, done as a short-term mission, as Rob Fairbanks used to always say, you'd go, you'd spend two or three weeks, you'd come back, you'd just feel fantastic. But like six months later, kind of like, fades away, you kind of get back and, oh, yeah, cable TV might be nice, and <laughs> a variety of things like that. Um, right now, I'm feeling truly, truly grateful, and I guess my hope is that I, I feel like this every day, try, try to hold on to knowing that God was a very big player in all of this. I mean, he... he, he guided everything in, in ways that just, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I said, there's a lot of things that, that happened in our lives before that actually made it possible for Maya to stay with us. Um, and how that all worked out and how it all came to be is <laughs> an incredibly long story. But I want Maya to understand that God did this. And I want Maya to always feel like we're not just her parents, but that God picked us to be her parents and her to be our daughter and for her to be a part of this community of people who love her and that all of these other people praying for her and his decision to have this happen is how it came to be. And I don't know how to explain that to her or how she'll see it in her life, but that's what I really want. And there's also a picture book of her out there if you want to see it. <laughs> um, sharing stuff like this is incredibly hard, so we are very thankful for you guys sharing your stories. Let's give these folks a round of applause. Russ did a little bit of teaching in the middle. I don't have any grand closing statements or any um, wonderful points to drive home. I kind of come from the place that let's let these stories speak because these stories are incredibly powerful and, and all of us represent different stories that are similar to these. It may not look like adoption or being in America and not understanding language and trying to fight for your son. It, it, it looks different than that, uh, but our stories are powerful. So let me just leave with, with this one thing. Well, do, well, well job, job well done, Community of Faith, for supporting these people. I'm proud to be a part of this church that steps in to these folks' lives, steps into other people's lives, and helps them with that. And uh, let's always remember that God gets the glory, that that's what's similar between these stories, these individual stories, Nehemiah's story, is that it's part of the grander story, that God gets the glory.